Welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast. This is the show for customer service managers, VPs of customer experience, and all of you other CXers out there. Every week, we are going to dig into topics, challenges, wins, and updates in the CX and customer service community. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Check us out at CXChronicles.com. Feel free to reach out to us anytime. Thank you so much for being a part of the CX Chronicles Nation. Today we welcome Mario Sansaloni, Head of Customer Operations at Grindr. Mario heads up the team that works with over 3.5 million daily users. Grindr is the world's largest social network for gay, bi, trans, and queer people. And Grindr, Mario and his team helped to manage and develop the organization's global customer operations capabilities, including customer support, customer insights, trust and safety, content moderation, and policy. Mario's here to talk with the CX Nation today about his personal story and about what it's like to work each and every day at a company like Grindr. Ladies and gentlemen, Mario Sansaloni. Freshdesk, everything you need to redefine your customer support. Keep track of conversations. Resolve your customer issues. Support your customer across all channels. And increase your team's productivity. Check out Freshdesk at freshdesk.com today. All right, guys, welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Today, we have Mario Sansaloni on the show from Grinder. Mario, welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast. Hi, Adrian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, guys, Mario heads up the CX efforts over at Grinder, and today he's going to be talking with the CX Nation about the company, the team, his personal CX journey. So, it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about today's show. So, with that being said, Mario, I'd love for you to take five minutes or so to tell us about your customer experience. How did you How did you get to where you are today, leading up the CX efforts at Grinder? I have no idea. No. <laughs> um, you know, I think like a lot of uh, customer experience professionals, like uh, it, it, it's a relatively new field and it's not um, been around in a super defined way for decades. Yep. Um, and most people, uh, I certainly didn't, you know, grow up thinking, oh, I really want to be in customer support. Um, I kind of fell into it. You know, I graduated college in 2008, um, and that was a really rough time uh, in the States economically. And so, uh, you know, finding a job that was compelling was really challenging. So I, I went with something that was more of a passion and landed at a like total pet care company um, and, and uh, was managing a lot of their um Uh, dog walking and in-home pet care and grooming and doggy daycare. And so it was like, honestly, it was a fantastic way to uh, both like play with dogs every day, but also. (laughs) (laughs) Mario, do you have a dog? I didn't have a dog. No, I was fresh out of college. And so, you know, it was uh, having a dog and, and also like supporting myself was 
just one step too far. So I didn't well, have a dog yet. I made, I made that mistake, sir. I actually did make yeah. that mistake. <laughs> so so you, you were a little bit smarter than me at that point. <laughs> Um, you know, so playing with dogs is great, but also interacting with customers every day and uh, managing uh, employees and schedules um, and just seeing sort of the entire process from, from start to finish uh, and helping even with the marketing of it and, and early online uh, social media marketing to try and drive up new business. All of that was, was really formative for me. So I did that initially for a couple of years. Okay. Um, and then, and then I uh, started my first customer experience uh, role or customer support operations role at Living Social, and they were a, a young, super uh, uh, exciting startup. Um, and so I moved to Seattle and started helping build out that team on the West Coast, um, and that was a really, really wonderful experience uh, because they were growing so. Uh, intensely every every month. And, and Mario, um, real quick, was that the first opportunity that you had to to literally be given a given an opportunity where it's like, look, you got to get up and go if you want this right now? Is that the first time that that happened in your young career at that point? Yeah, pretty much. How did I, that, how did that make you feel? That had to have been that had to have been, you know, a, a big decision for you to make at the at a young point in your career like that. Uh, I, I mean, it was fantastic. It, you know, I was young and unattached, and I, unlike you, didn't have a dog that I had to worry about <laughs> or children Smart or anything man. else. <laughs> um, you know, I made the move and uh, was really fortunate to join a group of other passionate young uh, professionals in Seattle, and, and a small group of us built that team out. Um, and, you know, and went through a lots, lots of trial by fire, basically sure. trying to pick, cause most of it was, uh, this was a brand new product, um, in the marketing space. And I don't know if you'll remember, but like the daily deal, yeah, absolutely. getting deal in your email inbox was revolutionary. And uh, a lot of people thought that was the next wave of marketing. Yep. Um, and so to drive that type of volume, uh, with major brands like Starbucks or Amazon, uh, you would see a spike of like a million or 2 million purchases in a 24 hour period and, oh. and users related to that and the effect that that had on our customer support team and how we were going to plan to support that. All of those were intense, really, really challenging, but really, really fun experiences as a, as a young professional. That, so that was, that was my first jump into really customer support at a, at a high level. That's 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 awesome, Mario. And 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 the one question I have for that to follow up on, for that to see that that high volume, high explosive growth type of uh, situation right in front of you at that young in your career, what did what did it, did they prep you for that? Were you ready for what that was going to feel like and look like managing the front lines, or was it was it really really hard? Was it tough to deal with? You know, like you said, a million, two million different purchases a day. That must have been wild volume. How did the team manage it? How did you manage it? <laughs> I mean, I. You can try and prep as much as possible. I mean, previously we had had like several hundred thousand purchases in a day. And so you kind of understand what the the increased uh, support volume might be. And you make educated assumptions about what that growth will be. Um, but for the most part, we, you know, learned by doing. And so the first one really was a great learning exercise for all of us to understand, okay, what broke? 
what caused the most problems so that we can address that for the next time around and have really uh, like proactive planning to try and reduce some of that volume and make it as seamless as possible for users. So, I mean, for the most part, no, there was not much, not much preparation that, that could prepare you for that. That's awesome. So then after living social, tell us about it. Then where, where did you move on to from there, Mario? Well, sure. So, so that first role at Living Social really was like leading a team of direct line uh, customer support agents. Um, and then I had the opportunity at Living Social to sort of grow in my role and develop and, and, and let our social media um, servicing strategy. Uh, and then uh, I think most importantly, uh, really owned the voice of the customer uh, across all of our all of our different brands and and, and business verticals uh, to present customer insights and feedback from users in a really structured way to business leaders to help help them make better uh, choices on our product offerings. It's like what were users saying? What was causing a lot of uh, frustration for users month over month? Um, and doing that in a consistent way. And so that was that was a bit of a different role. Sort of took me away from the operations of of running the support team and gave me a different experience. Um, but then, you know, I, I moved away from Living Social and I, I took a role with Taskus, a business process outsourcer. Sure. Yeah. Spent a lot of time in the Philippines working for other startups, who are mostly U.S. based. Okay. Across, across lots of different industries, but you know, uh, they had a lot of the same challenges, like growing really quickly. How do we scale this team? Uh, how do we do it cost effectively? Um, and, and then how do we, uh, you know, not just look, be looked at as a cost center, but start to provide insights to the rest of the business, uh, in a more regular fashion. And so I, I did some of that consulting and, um, and, and helping with a lot of different startups. Uh, through task us. Mario, tell us about the difference between, so first of all, that is, that's awesome. Most people will never get that type of opportunity to just pack up and move, you know, across the world and see a totally different part of the planet. But what was it like going from a Seattle based customer experience and service team over to the Philippines where, you know, many of the folks that listen to the show that they're super familiar with the Philippines, they know about, um, you know, all the wonderful people that help with some of the extension services that we need to provide for our customers and our businesses. What were the big differences that you fell into right away when you got over there? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I guess I wasn't as lucky to live in the Philippines, but it felt like I was because I was there. <laughs> so okay, okay, um, okay. But, uh, you know, the, I think the biggest difference is that uh, just culturally, it, it, you know, maybe the people that, that worked for Taskus too were a little unique in this. We're just so warm and empathetic and committed uh, to the brands that they were representing and, and the customers that they were uh, assisting on behalf of those brands. Um, you know, living social was, was fantastic. Uh, but to compare the two, I think it was almost night and day in a sense, like in the U S frequently you're, you're hiring from recent college graduates who, uh, don't necessarily, you know, start their college career envisioning themselves in a customer support role or are, are frequently, you know, uh, doing that role in the hopes of transitioning to something else. And maybe they've got a background in, uh, some other skill or copy editing or something, or they want to move into marketing. And it's sort of a stepping stone. Um, with Taskus in the Philippines, it's less of a stepping stone and more of a, uh, a real career um, that you can grow into. And they have a very developed uh, 
BPO space. Um, and, and so I was just struck mostly by like how committed everybody was and how empathetic they are. Um, it, it was a really fantastic experience. That's awesome. That That is really, really cool experience for you to have. And then on top of it, I just, I imagine it sets you up very, very nicely when you began to move on and, 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 and connected with the folks at Grindr. Can you tell us a little bit about how you sort of uh, started that journey with Grinder? Yeah, you know, um, uh, recruiter reached out and uh, didn't initially give me the name of the company that they were uh, recruiting for, but explained the opportunity. And, you know, I was intrigued enough to take the call. And I recommend everybody take the call so that you can sort of understand what the landscape looks like yeah. and, and also what you're worth. But, um, you know, the more I learned about Grinder, the more I. Uh, I loved about it. Uh, first of all, like for me professionally, like working for an outsourcing provider and with different teams for uh, a lot of different brands was, was energizing and exciting, but it was also exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't give me the same kind of ownership that I, that I felt I had at living social to really impact change. Um, so I was, I, I had been thinking about, uh, finding, some other internal role and going back into operations for a while. Um, you know, Grinder was an excellent opportunity for me, um, mostly because, and, you know, and maybe I need to give some background about what Grinder is. To, Please do, Mario. Please do. Um, so Grinder is a, a essentially a social networking app for uh, gay and bi and trans queer people uh, around the world. So it's it's global. It's only app based on iOS and Android. Okay. Um, and we have almost 4 million like daily users who engage with it for almost an hour every day. So it's a awesome, highly engaged community. Um, you know, in, in places like West Hollywood or, or London or other, other major metropolitan areas that have established protections for LGBT people, um, you know, Grindr functions as a hookup app and, and a way to connect and to chat. But, in most of the developing world and in a lot of places where it's just not safe to be who you are as a gay person, Grindr is uh, almost a replacement for those physical spaces that don't exist and safe places for, for people to connect with others like them and to find community and to, uh, to chat with, uh, with other people who, who they just wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to. So, that aspect of Grinder and the role that it plays around the world for people who are uh, oppressed just for being who they are um, really resonates with me as a gay man. Uh, and it's, a, I get even part of the community that I didn't really understand before I started talking with, with Grinder and, and working with the great people who, who I do today. That's awesome, Mario. That's, that, that is incredible in terms of being in a position where you can work at a place where you are pushing that across the world. Um, I know that in our first couple of calls, uh, you know, to, to the folks in the Six Nation, I did not even realize myself, Mario was telling me about all the customers that they serve globally. And it is an incredible, incredible network. And, 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 and Grindr has done such an, such an awesome job of really trying to make um, these safe places and spaces, as Mario's talking about, for their users. And I just think it's awesome, Mario. So that is so cool. In terms of um, being at Grindr now, I would love to, 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 to kind of swing the camera over and, and and talk a little bit about the actual team that you work with each and every day if that if that works Mario yeah absolutely um, um 
I mean, let's yeah, let's start <laughs> let's start with the basics. I'm sorry, like, like team structure and organization, common customer interactions, um, even like systems and tools that you guys use. We would love to 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 to, to have you share with the CX Nation. Give us the 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 background for the team that you work hand in hand with each and every day. Sure. Um, so we have a, a a really really committed team, and, and that was um, you know a team that understands the mission of Grinder. Um, the uniqueness of our community. And uh, uh, so what was important when we were trying to build the team um, for me is to make sure that we found people who could connect with our community on a deep uh, and, and hopefully personal level um, beyond just, uh, you know, wanting to, uh, to have a, a job, but see themselves easily connected to the broader mission of, of Grindr and, and the work that, um, that we do around the world. So we have um, uh, we have a team based in uh, Central America that uh, supports our users around the world in multiple languages. Okay. Um, so we've partnered with uh, uh, an outsource provider called Partner Hero, um, and they have just done a really fantastic job uh, in taking ownership of. Uh, our customer relationships when they need to contact us for support. Uh, so they they help us manage a significant portion of our support operations. Um, uh, that's essentially it from the support side of things. We have a small team here at headquarters in West Hollywood um, who help uh, set the direction and strategy for uh, how we service our users and help us implement new tools and update our language and um, share feedback with our product engineering and marketing and executive teams here. Uh, and, and Mario, how, what is the, what is the, the bulk of the day-to-day communication with, with your customers look like? Are you guys typically um, on phone calls? Are you going back and forth via, via email or, or text message? How do you guys actually chat with your customers? Yeah, most of it uh, channel wise is all in app. Um, communication from users. So when when they have a, a question, you know, when you're using the product, uh, the benefit of an app is that uh, we can easily integrate with um, our help desk solution, and we use Zendesk uh, to uh, provide a pretty seamless experience in the app, and and to also service our our surface our our self help uh, center to users as well um, if they're interested in that. So most of them are all it's all written communication. Uh, in app, and sometimes we, you know, a significant portion of it is also email, but we don't offer uh, phone support. Oh, interesting. So that that's something I'd like to talk about. So, in terms of, because one of the things I was going to ask about as we got deeper into it was what happens if and when there's instances of escalation, right? A lot of the folks that listen to the show are super, super familiar with, with either right. the, the tiered based support model or where once you get to a certain level of your managing a customer issue, that's maybe a little bit above, above your scope, you know, you escalate it up, whether that be to a manager or a supervisor. If you guys don't have phone calls today, and, and, and that's something you don't have to worry about, which by the way is brilliant, sir. I, I tip my hat to you on that. Um, how do you manage the rare circumstances when there's escalations? How do you deal with if somebody really needs that extra layer of touch, support, um, assistance? Is that still done through written? And, and how does it kind of work? It is all still written. Um, you know, I've, we've worked really hard to empower the team to own uh, uh, the full resolution for a customer. 
So individual agents have escalation flows and processes that we've built to team leads and to a program manager um, if necessary. But uh, for the most part, uh, it, it's very rare when an escalation needs to be to be reviewed. Usually that's uh, those are like novel situations that are more on the trust and safety side of things. Um, where we're interacting with the user in a very unique situation that requires um, special care and attention. But if something can be solved by one of our uh, team leads, then, uh, you know, we've empowered them to do it. uh, And we review on a weekly basis and uh, all of those types of decisions to make sure that we're aligned and uh, I guess sort of fully calibrated on, on, on how they should be handling those. But um, I feel really strongly that it's important that, uh, everyone who interacts with a customer feels uh, that they own that relationship and should be able to uh, be empowered to make decisions to to make it better for that customer. Um, and so, if you know they feel that they aren't in that position, that they don't have the tools or uh, know what the right thing to do is, then that's that's more on me, and that we need to spend more time calibrating and and figuring out how to remove those barriers so that 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 they do feel that ownership. Yep. No, I love it. And I think that makes perfect sense in terms of, you know, working with the team, working with your customer base and really kind of pushing, pushing the envelope forward each and every day. That's great stuff, Mario. You know, one, so we talked about the four CX pillars. You, you, you chatted with us about the team. You chatted with us about the tools and even the process and, 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 and the workflows, right? I'd love to pick pick your brain a little bit about how feedback works at Grinder. So, I mean, one of the big things that we talk about on the show is we try to give folks in the CX Nation ideas for how do you get feedback from your customers and how do you get feedback from your internal customers, your staff, your employees to really, really, really build for the future and make sure that you're doing everything you can to set yourself up for success. How do you guys, um, number one, how do you collect some of that feedback today at Grindr from your, from your users and your customers? And what do you do with that feedback, Mario? No, that's a great question. I think that's at the heart of like uh, thinking about uh, customer support, customer experience as, as much more than just a, a sort of a a cost center, um, which it too frequently is maligned as. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. right. You know, yeah, no. So at Grinder, we we put a lot of time and effort into uh, building relationships with our engineering and product partners, um, and sharing information at the executive level um, that really shows the the pulse of the customer, um, who they are, what their challenges are that week, what's driving positive. Um, impact to our company-wide KPIs, what's driving negative impact to our company-wide KPIs. And so as much as we can tie in uh, our customer support metrics uh, and data to larger company goals that matter to executive decision makers, um, that's where we're able to add additional value. Um, So for us, it's regularly sitting down with uh, our head of product and engineering to share that week's Uh, trending topics and issues that we're hearing about on different channels. Uh, Number one, uh, like types of bugs that users might be experiencing, uh, top drivers of dissatisfaction. Um, Honestly, like it it can be data overload. Um, And so like, uh, I think one of the bigger challenges is deciding what type of information to share uh, and to highlight. And so, um, you know, to keep those meetings uh, really valuable for for our internal partners. 
Yeah, that's that's a real good point, Mario. In terms of like, for for for, for many of our, um, our our really growth focused, you know, uh, businesses that are, are are just shooting up into the right every single day, you are amassing loads and loads of data, and it can be super super tough sometimes to cut through the fat and understand which of that data and which of that feedback. What matters? Like, what's going to help us actually keep a customer happy, drive the business forward, grow the business? Versus what's kind of sort of like it's nice to know, but like, what does it really do for you? That's 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 something that a number of folks that have been on the show recently, Mario. When we talk, like, you know, offline or before the show, this is something that people keep bringing up, and I think I find it really mm-hmm. interesting because every business has a different set of KPIs that lead it towards success, right? And every company is going to set up different OKRs or different different corporate-wide missions to, to, to really kind of get them to where they want to be. But I find this fascinating that uh, uh, many of us folks that are working in the CX space, it, it's like you get so much of this good feedback in the form of data that sifting through it is getting, it's getting tough. But there are good tools out there that we can use. But I think that's awesome, man. I'm glad you brought that up. And I think that it's something that, um, you know, Folks that are listening to the show, you should be pushing your leadership teams and you should be pushing your managers and you should be pushing even the customers to be providing that feedback because it's all going to be able to lead uh, lead your business to the next level. So great point there, Maria. A hundred percent. And, you know, and to, to add to your point, Adrian, um, you know, it's not just uh, enough. Like it feels foundational to say like, OK, we, we want to increase our user satisfaction. Um, and that's one thing. Those are like your internal goals. But in order to like really make an impact to the broader business, you have to tie it to some higher level company KPIs. I think for most, like thinking about customer lifetime value or a measurement of loyalty is probably the first place for, uh, that I would suggest someone start. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's way easier to, to keep a customer than to find a new Amari, right? Right. <laughs> so, okay, great stuff. Um, I would love, sir, for you to take five minutes to share some advice and some tips for some of the young upcoming CX leaders who listen to this show and more specifically some of the startup founders who, you know, Mario, you've been at this for a long time. You've been taking care of customers your entire career. What is some basic advice and tips you have for those folks in terms of managing their customers and more importantly, managing their customer facing teams in the future? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think my number one piece of advice uh, for those at the C-suite level or startup founders is um, at the beginning to elevate some of the KPIs that uh, really talk about the health of your customer. Mm-hmm. Um, so not just lifetime value that a revenue uh, uh, derived, but others around uh, like MPS score just as a really simple, basic sure, one. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and, and have those come, have those be company wide KPIs. Uh, it's really, it, it makes it much easier. I think if you start with the expectation for the entire org, that this is important, uh, that, that being a customer centric organization is going to drive growth and revenue. Um, that makes it much more, uh, much easier for for someone like me or you or those listening uh, who work on the, the customer experience side of things to uh, advocate for things that that do improve the customer experience. Yep. yep. Um, so the, I guess that's what I would say to, to founders. And, and for those that are sort of starting their career or coming up in, in customer support or customer experience roles, uh, continue. I, this, this seems a little general, but continue to be curious and, and investigate 
uh, new tools and, and systems um, and, and learn from others. Uh, that's what I love about your podcast, Adrian, is like listening to what other people have done is, has been really, really helpful and, and helps me think about um, what those next uh, uh, next options are on the horizon to improve sort of operations that we have today. Um, I like a good example of that is artificial intelligence and machine learning for uh, automating uh, certain types of customer interactions or thinking about new channels that that provide that level of um, more effortless experience for users. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of it's like, don't become complacent in, in thinking that uh, you've done this for a couple of years or you really understand how to, how to lead a team or drive down satisfaction. User, users change all the time and the tools that we have to, uh, to meet those user needs are also changing all the time. So I think it's a really interesting really exciting time to be in the customer experience space because of uh, uh, things like machine learning, uh, being able to have such an outsized impact on our team operations. Yep. No, I, Mario, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that, for, well, and first of all, I, I thank you so much in terms of what you said about the show. I That is literally the reason why we're here, Mario, right? It's like there are already so many folks across the world who've done a brilliant job figuring out the four CX pillars. They've, they've, they've built these teams. They've built these tools. They know these processes and workflows, and they've mastered customer feedback and employee feedback. We need to learn from those folks. We can learn from their findings and we can share them with others and it can help everybody else grow and it can help everybody else really, really push things into the future. I think the other thing too is, you know, we say, I say this all the time and, and pe some people laugh at me. I think more and more people are starting to a hundred percent agree with me and get it. Um, you know, for example, last week, Mario, we had Shep hiking on the show. Shep is one of these guys who's for 30 years, he's been talking about customer service, customer experience. That is the key to sales. And I think, you know, I, I, to, to, to borrow some of that wisdom from Shep, I tell people all the time, customer experience is modern selling. If you can keep a customer happy and if you can mitigate Folks leaving your service, leaving your product, leaving your platform, you're helping the bottom line directly, right? And then on top of it, to your point, to your point, uh, Mario, once you get into the world of establishing LTV goals, establishing MPS and CSAT goals, establishing churn mitigation goals, now your company's really thinking about what it needs to be thinking about. And that's like building a tribe of, of followers and of folks that just think you are the best damn thing that's ever happened. And really, once you get to that level as a company, it doesn't even matter what industry you're in, you're really, really, really going to hit your path and you're going to find your stride towards success. So awesome, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, Mario, there. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So, all right, well, look, here we go. We've got, oh, I've got a fire round question for you, sir. We're getting towards the end of the show. Here's what we're going to do today. I've got three numbers that you can pick from, one, two, or three. Whichever you pick, sir, that is the, that's the fire round question that you get for today. How's that sound? Uh, makes me nervous, but I'm into it. <laughs> All right. One, two, or three. What's the number? Uh, two. Two. Here we go. All right. Mario, what is the scariest customer interaction that you've ever faced and why? When I say scary, it can be, it can be scary for you, Mario, as in, oh boy, am I going to lose my job? Or it can be scary as a company representative where you know, shoot, this is bad. I got to figure out how to, how to get my arms around this immediately and escalate it with the proper powers that be. 
Um, okay, cool. So I, I, I'm going to avoid the, the latter option that you gave. Okay. Because that, um, you know, Grindr also is a, as a social media company, and this has been in the news a lot with, with Facebook and, and Twitter, like there are privacy concerns and trust and safety issues that arise all the time. And so I'll just say that uh, I've, I've seen my share and have handled my share of truly scary uh, for users and for the company kind of concerns. Um, but uh, to give something a little more entertaining, I guess scary on my end. <laughs> yeah, uh, please. When I was, <laughs> when I was at Living Social, um, you know, and in the early days when, when things were a little chaotic and, and we were super stressed and stretched thin, um, I had a, what now is like a, a pretty funny lapse in judgment, but had a really... Uh, disgruntled uh, guy on the phone and it was an escalation from from one of my team members um, and honestly at this I, I can't even remember what he was truly upset about but you know likely he had a, a voucher for an experience and the experience was really really negative okay. and it did, did not meet his expectations um, and you can imagine living social sold things like house cleaning yeah, or right. he sold every, everything <laughs> trip to Tahiti or something, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these were like really momentous things in people's lives or they should have been pretty, pretty simple. Um, regardless, he was very upset uh, and, and he really wanted to just like continue to talk and, and uh, let me know how he felt. And we were trying to say like, you know, we're going to provide a refund. We'll give you credit for future purchases, etc. cetera. Um, but his anger sort of... Uh, uh, you know, it's like red rage at some some points, and it's something we just have to deal with as, <laughs> right, as right. support professionals. Yeah. Um, but I made the mistake of saying to him, like, you know, sir, uh, this isn't a public utility. You don't need to use our services. <laughs> um, you know, and as soon as I heard that fly out of my mouth, yeah, I how thought, do, how do you like that one more? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! Um, clearly thought I was being witty. Uh, really awful awful thing to to say and and lost my composure and and now it's just sort of a funny story that i get to tell um as an example of like what not to do (laughs) please keep (laughs) right that's awesome well hey it's tough though right it's like look look with our with our positions i mean we deal with so many different things and we've got so many different curveballs getting flung at us every single day that i've heard a number of folks say one of the reasons why they love working the customer experience is because no day is similar to that of the day before and and for me in my career that has just been so damn true um but you literally get these new customer things that pop up every day that you even if you're experienced a customer and you've been in this game a long time, you just never heard it before. And you're like, wow, that's okay. Let's go to the drawing board and figure out how we're going to manage this customer issue. And then we'll try to do it the best we can, you know? It is so true. So, okay. Well, Mario, this has been awesome, man. Before we wind down the show, is there anything else that you'd like to pitch for upcoming events, conferences, books or articles, anything that you want the CX Nation to know about yourself or about Grindr or about anything at all? No, um, I, nothing coming out, uh, but I, you know, I would just uh, offer myself up as a resource. Um, people can find me on LinkedIn if they'd like, uh, if anyone has follow-up questions. Um, you know, I've, I've benefited from uh, mentorship and chatting with others uh, through their struggles. And like I said before, appreciate your podcast, Adrian, for, for uh, making it more of a, a one-to-many type of conversation. But 
um, I welcome any types of questions or connections from people. That's awesome, Mario. Well, I'm definitely going to be hitting you up the next time that we are out in California. And um, again, man, this has been this has been a pleasure. I'm so happy you came on the show. Uh, thanks for chatting with the CX Nation, and we need to uh, chat again soon in the near future, my friend. Yes, please. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Mario. Thank you so much for joining the CX Chronicles podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles. Be sure to subscribe, save, and share with all of your fellow CXers. And until next time, make happiness a habit, CX Chronicles Nation. Check us out at cxchronicles.com. 